Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. Before we get on to this week's episode, I want to tell you about something really exciting I've been working on. As you might know, I had Rose in December, just before the first lockdown. So she was actually four months when we went into the lockdown. So I've experienced firsthand how hard it is to be a new parent right now. So I am thrilled to tell you that in partnership with Two, I'm offering a series of four totally free online workshops to support new and expectant parents in navigating this really tricky time. A recent survey completed by two, sadly and unsurprisingly found that 96% of new and recent parents said they felt they had missed out as a result of the pandemic. And one third of new mums said they felt lonely. So the Parenting in a Pandemic workshops will cover what we know are the challenges right now for new parents, relationships, self-care, how to process becoming a parent in a pandemic, and what your baby needs most at this time. The workshops will be delivered by myself, Dr. Emma Svanberg, who you might know as the mammologist, who is a brilliant psychologist specialising in working with parents, and Dr. Neka Ikiogu, who is a leading child psychologist. Spaces are very limited, unfortunately, and I think, well, I hope they're going to get booked up really fast. So head to my Instagram, motherkind underscore Zoe to book yourself on or the website motherkind.co. And please do share with a friend who you think you'd benefit. It is totally free to attend. I love the two clothes for the girls. I am so excited to be partnering with them on this. And the spring collection looks amazing, which I'll pop a link in the show notes for you. And if you attend the workshops, you will get a 25% off discount as well. We cannot wait to see you there. I am so excited to be offering this support and resource right now when I think it is needed more than ever. So please do head over to my Instagram, motherkind.zoe, and click the link in the bio to book. Hey everyone, my guest this week says that we need to reframe the narrative that the breakup is an end of something and instead view it as the start of your journey to self-realisation. Amy Ransom is a writer, blogger, and author of several books, including The New Mum's Notebook, which you might have seen. It did incredibly well. In 2016, she separated from her husband after nine years of marriage with three small children. Amy shares how separation has been her most positive experience yet. And her new book, which I was lucky enough to review an advanced copy of, which is called The Soul Soaring Virtues of Separation, shares how separation can be the enabler to help you live a more authentic and joyful life. Amy and I talk in this episode about how she knew it was time to end her marriage and how surprising it was the way that it ended. It absolutely wasn't how she thought it would go. We talk about the aftermath, having just separated and what those early weeks and months were like, 
And we talk about how she discovered lost parts of herself by learning to love herself again. I think this episode is going to be incredibly useful for anyone struggling in their relationship, perhaps thinking about leaving it or maybe having thought about it for years, but not taking any action on that yet. But I think it's also really useful for anyone contemplating any big change, because the process that Amy describes, I think is applicable to anything. But let me know what you think. Drop me a note, motherkind underscore Zoe on Instagram or email me zoe at motherkind.co. As you know, I love hearing from you about these episodes and your takeaways and insights, or if you want to disagree with us, that's great too. So here is the episode and I hope you really enjoy it. Amy, welcome back to the podcast. We were just reminiscing. You were one of my very early guests, I think about three years ago. So it's a delight to reconnect and to hear more about what you've been up to and your growth in the past three years. Oh, it's lovely to see you, Zoe. Yeah, you came here, didn't you? Do you remember? And your podcast had only been going about, I think it was like less than six months, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very new. Yeah, it was new. And yeah, we've both gone in different directions, haven't we? Or, you know, you've grown and because I wouldn't have been separated then. So that's what we're going to talk about because of your new incredible book that's coming out. We're going to talk on this episode about separation and change in general, I think. And I'm really interested to unpack your shift because what I love about your work is that you're so humble with it. You kind of say like, this is new for you, this way of thinking and living. Let's start there. Tell us about your separation because as you say, last time we connected, you were still married. I was. How did you know it was time to leave your marriage? It's really funny. One of the first learnings in the book is called I Will Know When the Time is Right, because it's one of the things lots of people say to me is, well, how do you know? And it's really weird because I reckon when we spoke, I must have been uncertain. Well, I know I was because I was uncertain for a lot of years. It's so weird, though, because I had fantasized about leaving lots and lots of times. And it wasn't because anything was particularly awful. It's just because I knew that the love wasn't there and I knew that we weren't growing in the same direction. And having Joseph my third and then my experience with postnatal depression absolutely illuminated all of that for me and it was so strange though because actually it happened very suddenly which was absolutely the way it had to happen for us and it was weird because I actually remember on that day it was a summer day and I was actually been really trying to make the marriage work I'd been doing things like booking things for us to go and do just the two of us because I think deep down at that point, I really believed that being together and being in our little family unit was the absolute best thing. And possibly I believed it was the only thing. And it was so strange because it's, you know, how people always say it's it's never the big, big things. It's just that one little moment of clarity that just gives you everything you needed. And it was, he sent me a text on the way home and it wasn't anything. I remember it, but it wasn't anything. If I told you what it was, you'd be like, oh, okay, right. But it just showed me in that text that absolutely every layer in our relationship had broken down. And he came in and it was very dramatic, actually. You know, I haven't written about this particularly, but it was a big, big argument, huge in front of our children. And the kids, you know, they're not stupid, even though they were quite young. You know, kids know when, things are not great and I asked him to leave there and then and actually he never ever and it's quite harsh now I've had a lot of reflection on this but he never ever slept in the house again after that day it was dumb and then we sort of clawed our way back I think that we both knew that we didn't want to be in the relationship but I'm not sure that he would have ever left because I think he was okay I think he was quite satisfied with the lack of emotional connection but 
it's just so weird because I told myself so many times that I could absolutely, you know, I've got a good life. He's not an awful person. The kids are lovely. I told myself that I could absolutely live in this. I could live in it. It's okay. And yet then I just felt like I was suffocated. I just felt like my true loving self that I've now connected with was just nowhere to be seen. And you say in the book, you said, our foundations were rocky from the very beginning, yet foolishly we had tried to build a house. How did you know those foundations were rocky? And if someone's listening, thinking, you know, either my foundations aren't rocky or are mine, what do you mean by that? I mean that I knew that we didn't have the pillars there. If I'm really, really honest, I just knew that I didn't love him enough. And that's what it comes down to for me. I'm not naive in that I think love can surpass all, but I do think if you have love and respect there for each other, you can absolutely make something better and grow together. And I knew that I didn't. And if I'm really honest, I probably knew on my wedding day. And I know that sounds pretty shocking, but I made a good choice at the time. You know, we had a really good relationship. There were a lot of good things. And previous to him, I'd had a very big relationship that had ended badly. So it sounds like classic rebound, but it actually wasn't. It was actually more a case of, okay, I've done it that way. You know, the big drama, big love. What happens if I do it in a way that is a little bit more pragmatic? And I still say that if him and I had grown together, I could be having a very different conversation with you right now. I think I could be saying, do you know what? I didn't really love him as much as I thought on my wedding day, but my God, I love him now. Do you know what I mean? It's that I think I know what you mean. such an interesting journey. Guy and I sometimes talk about that because we had the opposite experience, actually. I think we have grown more together over the years. Yeah. But I can easily see how had he not made certain choices, had I not made, we would easily have grown the other way yeah because love for me it's so interesting I think we have this kind of narrative in society often by movies and it's this kind of explosion and that wasn't my experience and that wasn't Guy's experience actually and yet we're very happily married today because we have grown together and we've done loads of therapy and stuff together you also talk about this loneliness of being married and I want to unpack this because I think Lots of women experience feeling lonely in their marriage. How did that feel for you? It felt, like I said, suffocating. I had quite a lot of envy, actually. So I would find myself constantly in a state of comparison. So whenever I spent time with people and other couples, I wasn't jealous of them. I wanted what they had. Now, of course, I didn't know what they had because when... My ex-husband and I split up. Lots of people were very surprised. We even had people saying, oh my God, you're like our favorite couple. You're like one of those rare couples where we like both of you. But that was us. Socially, we were like the big, great, whatever. And behind closed doors, there was just very little. That was a key thing for me. And that was the thing that I couldn't shake. And I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like constantly looking at others going, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. And that was the absolute loneliness. And also the loneliness of knowing that you've got this great life and that you've got all the ingredients for this lovely life. And yet that emotional connection just isn't there. And I think it could be enough. But for me, it definitely wasn't. It's so interesting, isn't it, how you say, you know, I have no doubt there were probably your friends comparing to your outsides. It always makes me laugh when people get so shocked when celebrity couples (laughs) 
because it's like, why are you shocked? You have no idea what was going on on the inside. And I think that's such a powerful thing for people to hear that so often we compare our relationships, our parenting. We see mums at the school gates with the home baked. We don't see what's going on in the inside, which might be absolute fear, loneliness, depression, so it's such a powerful thing for you to... And the confidence, really, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because I now have confidence as a mother that I just didn't have for maybe the first five or six years, you know, to the point that I've made some quite big decisions. And that's the one thing, actually, I feel really confident and aligned in, and that is what I want for my children and how I raise them. It's so nice now to not feel around others and think, should I be doing it like you're doing it? Because I just know... Yeah, well, that's coming home to yourself, isn't it? And you said, you know, at the start of the book, we need to reframe the narrative that the breakup is the end of something and instead view it as the start of your journey to self-realisation. So what has your journey to self-realisation looked like and what are some of the big shifts and lessons that life has brought you? I'd say the big one for me was reconnecting with my self-esteem and my self-respect because I always have been quite authentic and I've always been quite in tune with myself. But actually, I spent a long time in a relationship that told me I was different to how I was because I was seeing myself through his eyes and not seeing myself. And, you know, it's interesting. I wonder if I discovered law of attraction and all sorts of things that I've listened to since. I wonder if I'd discovered it earlier while I was still married, whether I could have brought that into my marriage you know, it's in us, isn't it? We can choose to love someone, you know, and I realise that now that I placed probably lots of conditions on our relationship and I probably expected him to deliver. And I did expect him to deliver my happiness. Okay. Now I don't. Now my happiness is owned by me. And, you know, I was just telling you before the call about my ridiculous morning and What's amazing now is that that doesn't frame a whole day for me. It doesn't even frame a whole hour. That energy just shifts. This is such an important point to underscore because I think on a societal level, we're kind of taught, even from very young ages in storybooks and fairy tales and, you know, things we watch that other people are responsible for our happiness. And I think that is such a shaky foundation, as you describe, for a relationship because, of course, no one can make another person happy or content or serene happy maybe like here's a bunch of flowers in the moment that makes you happy right but that's totally different than feeling secure than feeling esteemed that's all down to me it's all down to you it's all down to each of us and I think putting that at someone else's door yeah it's such an interesting one because I used to do that in relationships too and I say to Guy very often like you're off the hook and it's great because I'm off the hook too yeah if he's having a bad time I don't feel responsible for rescuing. I, I love that thing that Brené Brown talks about where she talks about her and her husband talk about how much percentage they're running on. They can hold each other up. So she's like, well, okay, if we're both on 50, that's okay. But if I'm like, you know, depleted like 80% and he's also depleted 80%. And I kind of like that analogy because it makes you feel more like the partnership you should be rather than it being rescued it's more working together, isn't it, to meet an end common goal. Exactly. And also, you know, I remember one of the big turning points for us was when Guy was really struggling with something and it was in my first year of motherhood, so it would have been about five years ago. And I said to him, I have zero bandwidth 
I cannot help you with this. If you need some help with this, I would suggest that you go and find some outside help. It's up to you, but that's what I would, I can't help you. I'm not going to be able to do a sounding board. I'm not going to be able to, I just haven't got the bandwidth. I'm really struggling with new motherhood. Yeah. To be fair to me, went and got a therapist who he still sees every week now. That was five years ago. (laughs) That's a life changer for both of you. Yeah. But only because as you're saying, that really powerful thing of no one's responsible for my experience of life and I'm not responsible for anyone else's. That's liberating on both fronts, isn't it? I'm kind of trying to teach my midleaf lesson. She sometimes gets quite affected by sandwiched in the middle of two quite strong characters. She can get quite affected by how they talk to her or treat her. And I'm just sort of trying to bring her out of that to say that what they're doing or how they're behaving in that moment is no reflection of who she is in that moment because she takes it on board and you know that's something that a lot of us try and do isn't it I mean if I'm having a tough day I recognize it very quickly but I can still revert to victim status where I just want to be rescued I'm like I almost go to the where is my knight in shining armor just come and rescue me and and do all this for me but actually I pretty soon pull myself out of that I talk about going from victim to victorious and that's what I want this book to do I just want it to show people that, you know, this can be such a powerful transformation and the opportunity and the possibility that suddenly is there in your life can be incredible. Tell us more about the shifts from victim to victorious. I think it starts with choosing to do that, you know, and I say that it's the first learning in the book. I have a choice now and it's how you respond to what's happened Even if you didn't choose it, you still have a choice going forward in how you're going to. And I say, if you have a choice and you say to someone, well, you can go forward and you can just think that this is all going to be awful and a disaster and it's never going to change. Or you can go forward and choose, not immediately, but at least send the intention there that you're going to choose to make this better, empowering. You know, you're going to heal. And even if you don't feel that you're healing, you're going to accept that you are going to heal. And then maybe you can take the leap of faith that actually this is going to be a gateway to fulfill potential you didn't even realise you had. And that's certainly been my experience. I mean, the things I've done now, I'm getting tingles actually just thinking about all the things I've done with the kids. And I joke in the book and I say that, you know, I think my ex-husband would quite like the person I've turned out to be because I'm really adventurous. You know, he used to think I had like, and I didn't, by the way, but he used to make jokes about me because I'd say, I don't really want to drive that far. And he'd be like, oh, for goodness sake. And now I don't want to drive that far with the kids in the car because they're little and why do they want to sit in a car for three hours? And he was the opposite. He'd go anywhere to visit anyone with no comprehension of what that might be. And now it's so different. I'm like, come on, kids, who wants to go backpacking in Turkey? And they're like, really? And we did it. And it was, you know, Zoe, just liberating. And where do you think that part of you got lost I think it got lost in a tradition. I think it got lost in thinking that, you know, all our milestones, I mean, I say this, nowhere in your milestone list is divorce, but actually it's one of the biggest milestones of all because it's like a rebirth. And I think for me, it got lost in following the traditional pattern, leaving university, getting a job, relationships that failed, meeting someone, marriage, kids. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, 
it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe, non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash motherkind. And I think for me, that was definitely it. I mean, I think we talked about this last time. Motherhood was quite a creative process for me. Although I struggled, it did unleash creativity in me and it gave me opportunities. I don't think I'd be where I was actually if it wasn't for three children, postnatal depression, all those little things that have kind of come towards this point. But I still think in there, I was focusing my attention on relationship with another. So I think for me, and I think I lived in luck a lot. I think, you know, that was, what does Abraham Hicks say? You know, alignment first, manifestation second. And I think what I was doing was living in the lack, focusing on the lack, drawing, because we know how it works, drawing more of the feelings of lack, I think I thought to myself, if only I had this big love, this big thing. And then you go through this whole process and you realise that the big love is yourself because it has to be yourself. Wow. It sounds like you, and I had this experience as well, actually. I just was slightly younger when I had that breakdown, which enabled the breakthrough, is that I just totally lost myself. I totally lost myself through trying to make the outsides look okay because I felt so unokay on the inside. Yeah. And I sometimes say that about this. I don't know if you resonate with this. It's almost like I 360'd my life. Everything that I thought, I basically did the absolute opposite. You know, like I thought, it doesn't matter how I feel. What matters is what I look like. And now I'm like, I don't care what it looks like on the outside. All that matters is how I feel. And I did that with every area. And that's what I kind of think... When you talk about self-realization, that's what I see in you, is that you you 360'd everything that you thought about yourself and what was important. I've always been honest with who I am. I've been honest about who I am to others. With my close friends, I would quite often sit there. I mean, they'd be quite shocked and they'd be talking about how much they love their other half or, you know, maybe not like in that way. And I would say, I don't think he's the one. And they're like, I'm married to him. And I'm like, I know, because I couldn't be false and I still can't do that. So I've always had a link to it, but I definitely saw myself differently. And in the last few years of marriage, he just seemed so disinterested in me. It was really hard not to take that as a reflection of who I must be, because it wasn't that he was emotionally abusive, but actually emotional abuse can take many forms. And I'm not saying that I was innocent either, because I think just speaking to each other in a way that isn't kind is emotional abuse. And it's interesting, actually, that it took Joseph and it took having a boy to really make me really think about this, because I know that the girls, that I am modelling behaviour. Now, my behaviour is not perfect. I'm, I always say this, I'm quite shouty with them at times. And, but we always talk about it and we come back to it. And a lot of it is just, you know, my eldest will now say to me, mum, it's fine. I get it. You've got tons going on. You've got us three and you're on your own and it's a lot. So she's developed this lovely empathy. But it was when I had Joseph that I thought, I don't want to model this relationship in front of him. 
because it just felt more crucial in a way that he didn't see his dad and me not talking to each other in a nice way because somehow I felt that the girls would be okay or that we would talk about it. I didn't want Joseph to grow up thinking that's what a relationship would look like for him. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a key thing for me as well. And he was only two when we broke up, but it was the right decision. Absolutely right decision. In the book, you break down these kind of different steps, starting with assertiveness and ending with new beginnings. Yeah. Tell us about some of those steps that have had the most profound impact on how you feel today. I think the new beginnings is where you hopefully will end up or set your sights on it. And new beginnings for me, I mean, it also coincided with me just, I split up a year before I turned 40 and that was a really big year for me. Lots of amazing opportunities came about because I think I had unleashed something because I was happy. People said to me after, not no one knew for quite a few months, but after a couple of days, no, probably a couple of weeks, I told a couple of close friends and they were like, I wondered what it was about you. You look so much lighter. You're just, because you're in limbo, you've made a decision, something's changed, something's shifted. So for me, it's not a static place and the pandemic's really challenged me. It's made me have to confront the book. It's been a really difficult thing for me to launch a book that's so entrenched in alignment because I haven't always managed to align myself in the last year and I've really had to work at doing that, but that's okay. Again, that's shown me something really important and that is that you don't go through this journey get to a point where it all feels right and I talk about that I say it doesn't have to feel right you should aim for it feeling good because why do we not want to feel good and that is in our control now as we know we can draw that the most important things for me I think have been motivation because on the days that are really difficult it's really good to do little things that are practical, focusing on the next 10 minutes and doing something that shifts your energy and lifts your mood in that 10 minutes without thinking about how you're going to feel in seven hours or seven weeks. And the new beginnings, you know, things like new memories and traditions. I think we just hang on to traditions and memories and then they become bigger, don't they? More important and they become glossier with time. So something that wasn't that great at the time, suddenly you've made it into this, Thing that was so important to you and actually I realized that loads of the traditions I had and lots of things didn't really serve me very well just silly things like the way we'd spend a mother's day historically I would spend a mother's day when I was married hoping that he would do all the things that I imagined he should do while the kids were young and you know all the commercialism and you know my first separated mother's day was the best time literally like dropped some flowers around to my mum's stayed in with the kids and I was like should we get a dirty pizza and order it and eat it on the sofa and watch a film it's just magical I didn't care about cards I didn't care about anything and it was the same with my 40th instead of waiting for someone to give me the present to give me what I thought I deserved I gave it all to myself bought myself a present I'd been wanting for 10 years and it was just lovely and a friend said to me I'm really jealous of you and I went why and she went because I did nothing for my 40th I said but you know why? Because I've done everything myself. And it wasn't a case of, well, no one can do it better, so I'll do it. It was just, well, this is how I want to share my day. This is how I want to share my week. This is what I want it to look like. I'll make it look like that. So it was that. And for me, it has been knowing that I can have an impact on what my life looks like. And it seems an obvious thing, 
Actually, it's not, is it? I would say it's simple and not easy. Perfect. Two things are really different, aren't they? Something being, you know, and also depending on the modeling we got and, you know, what we were taught about empowerment and, you know, being responsible for our experience of life. You know, I think if you were lucky enough to have parents who modeled that, it would be easier, but I didn't. So, yeah, I think it's not always easy to stretch that muscle. You know, every day, isn't it? It's that intention. I'm responsible for my life. I'm responsible for what I create. I'm responsible for how I experience what's going on around me. It's a totally different way of living. That's been my experience. Totally different. And once you're there, you can't go back. You wouldn't want to go back. But I have found, and I've got a friend who actually introduced me to the whole LOA and, and everything. And she's found the pandemic hard as well. And that's quite interesting. She's dealt with it brilliantly. Once you've found clarity and once you see this different way of living and you can do it, I think the days where it feels hard feel harder than before, if that makes sense. Because you've got this knowing, haven't you? You know that there's a different way, but you can't necessarily tap into it in that moment. And I think that's been the constant work for me. How do you do that work? It's funny because I always listen to you when you talk about journaling and things. And as a writer, and do you know what? I've started my little journal so many times after listening to something from you or even talking to you. And I have got a lovely little journal, but I don't write in it faithfully like I know that you do. And I think for me, my practice is probably, I do love running. And I often run with nothing. I often run with no podcast, no music, and I just run. I try and do things that make me still some of the time, like a task that stops me thinking because I just find that that brings me into a kind of still place as well. And actually this year I've said, you know, this is the thing I think when you're writing is that I personally, because of my circumstances, find it quite hard to consume information and things. And actually this year... It's really funny when I had like a chat with my agent and my editor, and they're like, So, what's next? And I said, I'm going to buy loads of books for my empty bookshelf and I'm going to read them all one by one. I said, Because if they're physically there and I can see them, it's just so much more tangible. And I went, And I think I'm going to have a year of fighting. And they looked at me and I went, Yeah, I know that's not what you want to hear. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure I will write because I know it will happen. I'll have three months off and the urge will emerge but right now I feel like I want to focus a bit and learn some new things build on what I already know what do you want to learn I want to learn a little bit more about even though I know that I do not need to be a consistent being I want to invite a little bit more consistency and maybe it's not consistency maybe it's stability I want my belief in what I absolutely know to be true because I love the universe and the universe just shows me things I mean this morning even before the sequence of events the universe got me to the petrol station on zero miles and I was like I'd let my car run low and I was like it's okay I'm gonna get to the petrol station you know and I see the signs everywhere and but what I want is on the days where I'm overwhelmed is I want to see those things more readily how are you linking that to consistency you mean you want a more consistent practice yes exactly I'm getting there but I want to build on that a little bit more I think I think that's my experience is like the consistency brings feeling held when things get really hard. Yeah. And challenge the way I respond to things. Definitely better at that as well. Like what? Reactions to other people. The whole judgment thing. 
we can't help sometimes but see things through a filter which then creates the judgment and I'm better now at silencing that but my goodness at the beginning of the pandemic I found it really hard because you do it brought out anger in me that I hadn't felt for a long long time I didn't like that I hated that and that was actually probably the hardest thing in the pandemic for me was seeing that person in me and going I don't like her and actually this time around I zoned out a bit much more when we feel out of control it can really trigger yeah judgment because it's easier to turn those feelings outwards isn't it absolutely absolutely I mean some of my friendships have changed elements of that has made me sad and then I've kind of come full circle and seen it much more philosophically and thought, you know, friendships have seasons, you know, within their lifetime. And that's a really lovely thought. Nothing feels like it has to be dramatic. Hmm. It can just be calm. And if someone is maybe on the verge or maybe fantasizing about breaking up or on the verge of breaking up or just breaking up, what would you want them to hear? I would want them to hear that they don't have to force themselves into action. You know, not everything has to have action. In fact, some of the best things happen when we're inactive. And I think that when you're milling something over in your mind all the time and you're saying, what should I do? What should I do? That actually just creates more inner turmoil. You know, it's like I say, the day actually it all came to a head I'd gone out and bought a bottle of wine for dinner for us. You know, I wasn't planning separation the day we separated. And yet it happened. I just believe that you will just know. And actually, if you can make peace with that, then there's no choosing to be made, is there? You're just going to say, I feel like this, and I accept that that feeling is valid. I accept that there are things in this relationship that I can change or I can't change. Even... I accept that I don't want this relationship to go on, but putting your faith in the fact that the circumstances in which that will happen will present themselves. Yeah. My book is quite different to what I've written before. And I, and I'm really genuinely interested to see what people who have followed me for years think of it, because, you know, I say it doesn't matter if universes and souls aren't your language. It's an accessible way of looking at those things. But I do think that at some point you have to take a leap of faith and just believe and trust in something. If separation is what is best for you, it's coming. And it will come when it's ready and when you're ready. And you don't have to force it. You know, you don't have to do it in a big dramatic whatever way. But if that's how it happens for you, then that's how it's meant to. I'd also say, like, sometimes people get in touch with me and say, we're not getting on or I've been thinking about this for years. I also think that this book will save as many relationships as it helps transition people into a new phase because I do think that if you love each other and you have a degree of respect there and you want to both grow together I think you can change I think you can do that together like you know you can do that together I didn't get the opportunity to get to do that because I came to the information after but also it wouldn't have been my other half it wouldn't have been his cup of tea he wouldn't have wanted to do all that in her work and and that's fine absolutely fine so I would just say if you love each other then give yourselves one more chance give it another go to see if that's what works for you but we mustn't be frightened of separation we mustn't see it as a broken home or a tragedy I mean there was like nothing broken about my house apart from all the doorknobs and loads and loads of banister things that they've all knocked out but we're really happy you know we are 
it's probably someone cries every day not, not always me but we are happy and I just can't align myself with that feeling that a home is broken because it doesn't have two parents there yeah exactly and it's not about that is it it's about what you're modeling and how happy you are essentially is, is, is the most important thing and there have been amazing studies on that that show that Divorce and separation can be really beneficial for children if both parents then go on like you've done and do the inner work and become these more alive versions of themselves. That is the best thing for children. And we're really amicable. I mean, we locked down together for Christmas and we had five days together and it was really lovely. It was nice that we could all be like that and do that together. And it was nice that we were able to do that and... You know, sometimes like Joseph will say like funny things like, wouldn't it be nice if we all live together again? And Eva, my 11-year-old, she looks, are you mad? <laughs> but she says it in such a lovely, adjusted, happy way. She's like, this is just so much better this way, Joseph. You know, and it's nice to hear her say that because actually that will be her experience growing up. Just like my experience was growing up with two parents who lived together her experience will be a different one. I definitely feel that I have a role ahead of me and I have a responsibility to make this a thing that people aren't scared of, to make this feel like it's something that isn't undesirable, but actually could be desirable. I'm not saying that people go into a relationship and and hope that it's going to end because they don't do that. But when it does end, what do you do now? Yeah, and we need to start reframing it as society in that it's a positive thing the quoting of the divorce rates, it's like, why are we doing that? Because if if relationships that aren't successful are ending, isn't that amazing? Particularly for children, that's my view. You know, my parents probably should have divorced long before they actually did. And I lived that experience of what it's like. Children know. Children know. So I feel like, yeah, it's really important work that you're doing. And the book does it fantastically that this is something to celebrate. The book's a really funny thing because I feel like I was a real vessel for that book. I still don't really understand how I wrote it or where it came from because I wrote it in quite a short space of time and it just came. And like sometimes I would write out of sequence completely and I'd write a completely different chapter that I hadn't even thought about. And it was just so strange. And I've listened to a podcast since with a writer who said that it just came from somewhere else. So I feel like, yeah, it was such a spiritual experience writing it Mm, well it's beautiful and I recommend everyone who is thinking about being in this position or is in this position (laughs) or even just any big change I'd say it's applicable to any big change how you navigate your way through that in a really positive empowered way I always ask the same question at the end which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world what would it be and why peace I would just give them peace inside. I would give them a moment of calm where they could totally see themselves in all their wonder and clarity. And they just saw what a pure being they were and how amazing they are and how much they love their children. Because we just have this love for our children, don't we? And it feeds all the things that can turn out to be like negative influences or things, the guilt, the comparison. And I just want them to see themselves and all they do and just feel calm, calm and peace. 
So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. As ever, if you did, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on. Also, just a reminder about the Family Reset Plan. It's my latest offering to parents. I think that we are living in probably the challenge of our lifetimes. Well, definitely so far. And as parents, we not only have to support ourselves, we also have to support our children. And that is a lot. So the Family Reset Plan is myself and two brilliant psychologists and we give you step-by-step, simple, applicable ways that you can support yourself emotionally to feel stronger, calmer, and therefore to support your children in a different way. It's all grounded in psychology and neuroscience. It's just £25 currently. And if you work for the NHS, it is totally free for you. So check out the website, familyresetplan.co.uk. Take care. I'll see you next time.